Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. All right, I brought two Bibles, so you know it's serious today. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right, so um, for those of you who, who don't know me, uh, my name is Blake. Hello, nice to meet you. Um, I have a, a couple jobs around here, but one of them is the, I'm the head of the prophetic ministry here. And even though I'm, I am the head of prophet, the prophetic ministry, and I've been involved in prophetic ministry since, since I was 12 years old, I've never really been the kind of person, it's just not really been my personality, to be someone who, you know, asks the Holy Spirit, uh, what, what's like the word for the year, or something like that. You know, I know a lot of people do that, and I, I think it's great. It's just never really been something that's uh, on my heart that often. But as we were approaching this, this uh, New Year's season, uh, just earlier this week, I just suddenly had this um, impulse to, to ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what's, what's the word for the year? And so I asked him, and the second I asked, I immediately heard him say, this year, it's all about the presence. <laughs> so your reaction was a lot better than mine, because I heard that, and I thought, oh, that seems kind of boring. <laughs> now, before you judge me too harshly, uh, let, me, let me elaborate a little bit. Because um, I, I thought, you know, well, God, you know, that would be a perfectly good word for the year last year or next year or at any point, because God's presence is always with us, isn't it? You know, all the time, 24-7. And in fact, even when I, was, when I was younger, I remember, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, as I was, you know, I was, like I said, I was involved in prophetic ministry at the time, but even then, I remember I'd be a little bit bothered or annoyed when people would pray, you know, oh, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence. God, we invite your presence. Just because I thought it was funny, because, you know, God's God. He's everywhere, right? So for, why are we inviting his presence if he was already here? I mean, we're the ones who showed up, right? You know, um, it's... <laughs> It should be welcoming us. You know, I don't know. Um, and I, I know it might be silly and petty and just semantics, but it's something that uh, just kind of, you know, always, always uh, caught me. And so because of, because of that, you know, I heard that word, this year it's all about the presence. I thought, oh, that seems kind of boring. And so I can actually prove to you biblically why that's a little bit boring. So if you would... <laughs> Come with me to Psalm 139. <laughs> Some of you are like, who is this guy and what is he doing? I have a point, I promise. Um, <laughs> my wife just said she's thinking that. <laughs> uh, uh, so Psalm 139, this is probably my favorite psalm. That's always a dangerous thing to say because then you read another one, you're like, ah, this is the one. Uh, but right now, this is the one. Psalm 139. Love, love this, the, this whole chapter here, but we're just going to focus for a moment here on, let me see, let's go, let's go with verse 7, and yeah, this is one I really like. So where, uh, Psalm 139, verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is a light to you. And I love this because again, this biblically proves like God's with us all the time. You can't go anywhere that he's not. He's with you and if you go to, the, go to the darkest place on the entire earth and he will be there. Go to the darkest place internally, emotionally, and his presence is there. He's with you all the time. Again, biblical proof that that's kind of a boring word for the year. And so like I said, you know, when I was younger, this, this concept bothered me. Not, not terribly, but it was just something I thought about all the time. Like, you know, we keep praying, you know, God, let your presence come. God, let your presence come. And as I, as I heard this word and I had this, this feeling, as I mentioned, of, oh, that seems kind of boring, I, I felt this like cold feeling all over my left side and uh, how many of you in here are married? Okay, fair number, good. April, thank you for raising your hand. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, uh, you ever have one of those moments where you're talking or you're in a group or something like that and you say something and you know, your, wife, your spouse doesn't necessarily say anything but you just have that, that, that feeling, that radar that lets you know you just said the wrong thing somehow. <laughs> ever have that before? <laughs> And I, it was that feeling, as I, as I had that feeling of like, oh, that's kind of a boring word, I immediately had that, that ex exact same emotion, like, oh, I just said the wrong thing. So I knew that I was wrong, but I wasn't sure why. And as the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I realized that I, I in my younger years, I actually wasn't very equipped to get the answer to the question that I had of, well, why do people pray for God's presence to come? I mean, I understand the exercise. That makes sense. It's a good thing. But, you know, why does, why does that bother me? And what does that, what does that mean exactly? In fact, I don't think necessarily that I was equipped to understand what, what God was trying to tell me until the, the, the day that I got married. So I'm actually right now very soon coming up on my 10th wedding anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, April is too. It's very exciting. <laughs> it's weird how that happens. Um, and, <laughs> sorry, it's a terrible joke. It's cheap. Anyway, um, so, I, I've, you know, we've been married for 10 years, and, you know, I was just kind of taking a moment looking back at the last 10 years of our marriage, and you know, the, the entire time, for that entire 10 years, we've been married the whole time. We didn't stop being married even once, not even for a second. Thank you. It was, it was good. We've, we've been totally married the whole time. But as I sat there for a moment and just reflected on the last 10 years, I realized that even though we were just as married as we were on the day that we said, I do that my experience of our marriage, my perspective, what I got out of our marriage, out of that marriage, kind of changed off and on all throughout the years. You know, go back to any moment, pick any moment in the filing cabinet of the last decade of our marriage and snatch one out and you will get something a little bit different. And, you know, just like anyone, we've had, we've had challenges, we've had great victories, we've had great, great uh, uh, we've had hardships, we've had great moments of success, we've, you know, had all of these things. Um, but 
throughout all of those things, how I have experienced our marriage has changed greatly. God's presence never leaves us. It's with us all the time. He has never left us once. But even though that is completely true, the way that we experience his presence shifts, doesn't it? I'm coming up on my my 30th anniversary of my relationship with God uh, since I accepted Jesus. And I know I've been with him a little bit longer than April. She can get jealous sometimes, but that's okay. (laughs) Another terrible joke. I'm sorry. I'm full of bad jokes today. (laughs) That's the second service. It's nothing but cheese. Um, (laughs) And... I've noticed that in my 30-year relationship with the Lord, there's been ups and downs, there's been challenges, there's been moments that I've experienced that relationship differently, even though his presence has been with me that entire time. There's this um, principle, there's this concept that's very popular in um, kind of pop psychology and and child-rearing and things like that. They, They apply it sometimes to... Uh, spousal relationships, but it's mainly something that's addressed in uh, family and uh, relationships with your kids. You know, and uh, some of you may be familiar with this. You know, as we're raising kids and we're trying to figure out the best way to do it, and if any of you are, you know, new parents, you, you know that there's all these different books you can get and all these different principles and all these ways of doing discipline and all these ways of teaching them everything. You know, it's this big, complicated thing. And this one uh, kind of an idea that's that's catching a lot of traction around is that Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do and a lot of things that are important, but if there's just one thing, if there's one thing that you could focus on to do well for your kids is to, when you're with your kids, be present. Be present. Now, I want to take this opportunity, because I think it's a good one, to point out what we mean by the presence of God, because that is a broad subject. It can mean a lot of things, and I kind of want to zone in on at least my version of what that means. Um... So what, what is it being present? I think this, this uh, example of a being present with a child is a perfect, perfect little a- allegory for it because what is it to be present? It's to turn your attention towards someone. It's to make yourself available to someone. It is to make your attention, your thought processes, it's to make yourself accessible to someone. When I'm paying attention, when I'm being present with my kids, I'm connecting with them on their level even if that level is not my level necessarily, you know? If they're one, two, three years old, I'm stacking blocks up and then we're knocking them over and then we're stacking them up again and again and again. Not necessarily something that's very stimulating for my brain, but something that is very exciting for my two-year-old. But I'm being present, I'm being engaged, I'm paying attention to what they're doing and connecting with them on their level. Does that make sense? Well, God is an even better parent than I am. And so he, and this, I'm telling you, this gets me any time that I think about it. He, this is a vast understatement, but he, being much older and much smarter than us, makes himself present with us. He makes himself relatable to us. He makes his attention available to us. He makes his focus available to us. He is present with us. And so when I say, talk about the presence of God, I'm talking about the actual attention of God focused on you. The actual, not, not just him being in the room, because you know, even, even good parents sometimes can be in the room but not be present. You know what I mean? 
But when God is in the room, he is also present. His attention is tuned towards you. His, he is access, he's made himself accessible to you. It's so important to remember that because God is always present with us, oftentimes what I believe is the limiter on whether we experience the benefit of that presence is whether or not we are also present with him. So when I, you know, got annoyed at the, at the word of the year that I got, this year it's all about the presence. You know, it seems silly because, oh God, you're always present. You're always with us. And his answer to my wonderful attitude uh, was, no, it's not about my presence this year. It's about yours. I believe that this year there's an unprecedented opp- opportunity to receive the benefit of God's presence, to raise our ability to be present in our relationship with him so that we recognize and connect with how present he is with us. Does that make sense? Now, when we're doing that, there's a lot of things that can try to undermine that, that can try to shift that, that can try to, you know, turn that around a little bit. I'm going to go through just a couple of those so that we can understand those. And I think that in some ways uh, the, the allegory of, of marriage is a good one because it, it, it mirrors the, the relationship in some ways. And, you know, and I, I want to start here because it's, it's one that we face a lot. Like sometimes the things that negatively or, or rather challenge our, my, mine and April's relationship is not just the bad stuff. It's not me just being dumb or being rude or being unkind and her being perfect and wonderful and fantastic. It's... <laughs> Um, sometimes really good things can challenge our relationship, like kids. Kids are wonderful, amazing. Uh, like just, just I, I, I don't think I ever really understood the feeling of wealth until I had kids. <clears throat> I don't think I fully understood the feeling of being poor until I had kids either, but that's a different <laughs> subject. <laughs> it's, a, it's a broad spectrum <laughs> of emotions. Uh, um, <laughs> that, that one was okay. <laughs> uh, and, and this very, very good thing that requires a lot of time came into mine in April's life and challenged our relationship. Because where we had hours and hours and hours of time to give to, to each other, to communicate through things, to talk through things, to, to invest in our connection, all of a sudden we had so much less, so much less. I mean, now we have four kids now, so it's nice and quiet and peaceful at our house all the time. Um, four of them, and they're all under seven, so yeehaw. Um, <laughs> And, you know, those of you who have kids know, like, you want to go back in time and, like, grab yourself and be like, you had so much time, you don't even know. <laughs> you think you're busy, you're wrong. <laughs> but we had so much time to invest, and all of a sudden we have these wonderful kids who are a good, amazing, wonderful addition to our life. But 
take away from our relationship, take away from our connection, take away from our, our ability to work through things, to grow our relationship, to nourish it. Because I'm sure you guys know that relationships are not stagnant things, they're living things. And if they're not fret, fed, they, it's, not that they, it's not just that they won't grow, they'll actually die. <laughs> they'll actually get sick. And our relationship with God is the same way. That if it's not nourished, if it's not tended to, if that connection is not, is not if we do not turn our attention, if we're not present with that connection, we will, we will lose value for it. We will forget why we invested so much time in reading the word. We will forget why we loved going to as many worship services as possible. We will forget why we spent all that money to go to that ministry school or whatever it is. We will forget if we don't take care of that connection, if we do not protect and grow and steward that connection. The same is true, and you know, it, it is obvious, but it, the same is true of our marriage connections. If, 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 even if we are start connected and we have children or have, get a promotion or whatever else, if we do not maintain that connection, if we do not be present in that connection, it will start to wither and we will forget why we were connected to this person, what we love about this person. We will not experience the benefits of that connection because we're not refamiliarizing ourselves with it again and again and again. Well, so what's the solution? That's a hard, that's a hard situation because, you know, when you have kids, it's, you know, you're kind of legally obligated to keep them alive and, you know, Barring that, you also want them to, you know, have a good education and a good life and all those kinds of things and, you know, raise, get raised up to be awesome people. And that takes a lot of time. That takes a whole lot of time. That takes more time than you thought you had. And so how do you balance a really, really good thing while still protecting a really, really good thing? Well, a few simple practical things is, is you, you recognize what season you're in. You recognize that the Holy Spirit has designed you to succeed in every single season. But he has not designed you to succeed the same way in every single season. And if you think you're supposed to succeed the way that you did before you had kids, while you have kids, you might hit some bumps. If there was grace to have a three-hour conversation to work through you know, a, a problem or an issue or something like that, there, there may not be grace for that in, when you have an infant who, you know, will definitely poop at some point in that time, um, at the very least. <laughs> and uh, like I said, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> I'll give that baby 20 bucks later. Um, And so what do you do? You recognize the season that you're in. And also, I'll tell you a secret. You have gotten better at getting connected. Whether you know it or not, you have grown, and you are better at getting connected. And you don't need three hours anymore. You can do it sometimes in five. Or you can sometimes do it in five, sorry, five minutes is what I meant there. <laughs> but sometimes that's the case, too. <laughs> You can do it, sometimes you can do it in five minutes. You can, you can reconnect. You can take a moment and know each other. You can recognize each other. You can see each other. You can, you can hear about someone's day. It may not be where you get to sit for three hours and hear every single little detail, but you can connect. You can have that moment of valuing each other, recognizing each other, and seeing each other. 
And this is also true with your relationship with God. And just like with a marriage, sometimes there are seasons where you need to pay a cost and take a lot of time to reconnect, to, to invest in your, in your marriage together. The same is true with your relationship with God. Sometimes you do have to invest those four hours, five hours, take a whole day off and just be in his presence. But man, do not throw away those little five-minute encounters with him. Man, I, I don't have a whole lot of regrets in my life, but one of them is how many five-minute encounters with him I threw away because I thought five minutes was not long enough. <laughs> and again, I, you know, God is so good at restoration. We don't want to bring condemnation for those things. It's the last thing we want to do. But I, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it because it's not enough. I don't want to miss it because that's, you know, that's too much time. That's not enough time. You know, that's, oh, I'm not going to be able to get connected to him. You are designed to be connected with God, and whether you know it or not, God is so good at working on your internal world. You have gotten better at connecting with him. You have gotten more efficient. You have gotten, he has built you up to succeed in whatever season you're stepping into. And if you're having kids, a new job, and getting adjusted to a big move, he has designed a way of remaining connected to you during those seasons in a way that does not reduce the value and the quality of that connection. We have to believe that God is always, ha always has the highest standard of the quality of your and his relationship and has made a way for that to be possible. I would also say the same is true of your marriage relationships and your, your important relationships in life, that God has made a way for you to have a excellent connection, even in the midst of having children or having triplets and having a new job and all that stuff. He has made a way for you to remain connected during those times. And it's, it's so important to be present in leaning in to seeing what those things are. Make sense? There's also, uh, you know, we, I won't go too far on this because we know this, but the you know, there's good things like having kids or getting a promotion or, or things like that can, can distract from our connection, can distract from our ability to be present. But also, you know, we know the normal stuff, you know, bad stuff, the stuff that just doesn't have any value. And, you know, these are, I, I taught a message on this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to go into too much detail right now. But, you know, sins are... I, I kind of grew up with this idea that sins are just sort of the, the list of things that God just decided are bad and, you know, don't do these things because they're bad because I say so because they're bad because I say so. And, you know, as I've grown in him and grown in connection to him, I realize it's not just a set of arbitrary rules that God set out just to keep you in line. It's the boundaries of what it looks like to be in healthy relationship with him. <laughs> In the same way that because I'm married to April, that changes the way that I relate to other women in the world. That's not a random, arbitrary limitation. That is what it looks like to have a healthy connection with April Healy. Amen. Um, and the, the same is true with God, is that these are not just arbitrary rules. These are the things that will keep you close to me. These are the things that will protect your connection with me, that will, be, that will create a beneficial life for you, that will create a full and happy and, and uh, full of vitality life with you. And so, you know, we know that those things will, will harm our connection, will, will harm our ability to be present with him. So, again, I'm not going to go too, too deep into those. 
Um, sometimes there can be questions that get in the way of us being present with him. Questions, hard questions, and these can come in a variety of ways. I want, I want to make it very clear up front. I'm not saying don't ask God questions. Ask him lots of questions. Ask him hundreds of questions. Ask him the questions that you're terrified to ask anyone else. You're not going to shock him. He knew you were going to ask it before you did. However, Please don't hold a question between your and his relationship. Don't hold a question between your and his relationship. And these can be a lot of things. These can be things about your history. Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did I experience this? He has an answer, and he is going to give it to you. But if you hold that between you and him, it, 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 it cripples your ability to hear what he has to say about that thing. Same with the big questions, the philosophical questions of why do bad, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, what, what are you doing with this? Why are you doing that? Do you exist like this? Do you exist like that? Do you exist at all? I'm talking to you, so I hope so. These kinds of hard questions are so hard to get at the answers to when you're putting that question between you and him. But if you can come alongside him and not let those get in the way with, of your ability to connect with who he is, you are significantly more equipped to see the answers to those questions. I, I believe in marriage very, very deeply, um, mostly because God says it's right, but also for very logical, practical reasons. There, there is a kind of connection. There is, there is things that you can build between two people that the only kind of ground that it can be built on is I am with you forever no matter what. Because in any kind of environment, any, even just a friendship environment where, yeah, we're real connected and we're good and we're, you know, we've been friends for 20 years and we're close and we're tight and we're buds and we're bros and all that fun stuff. Um, even in that context, there's still a, a seed, a, a, a little bump of... Yeah, that's because we like each other and we connect and it's because of this, this, and this, and this. There's things that can only be built in the environment of I choose you because I choose you. And the same is so true of our relationship with God, of there are questions that we just can't, we're, we're incapable of seeing the answers to them until we say yes to him first. And I want to be important. That, uh, I want to be important. Well, I do, but uh, that's, a, that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> um, uh, it is important that I tell you <laughs> that, oh, I've totally lost what I'm talking about now, but um, oh, what is it? Oh, uh, it's important for me to tell you that he is, he is not saying, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you when you're friends with me and when you say, you know, it's not, it's not like that. No, I, I, and I have a good example for this. So uh, when my son was, I think he was two, two or three years old, he, you know, we're driving home, he looks up in the sky and he says, Dad, how does the moon work? And so I just sat there baffled for a second because I like, I like science, I like reading about science, I like learning about it, and so I'm like, okay, how does the moon work? Well, do, do I explain to him that the moon, you know, reflects sun, sunlight that's coming off it and bounces it down to earth, and that's how we see the moon? Do I explain that the moon is tidally locked with the earth, so we're always seeing the same side of it as it's going around? Do I explain how the tides work? Do I explain how gravity works? And as I'm thinking of all the things of what the answer is to how does the moon work, 
Maybe that wouldn't be your answer, but that was what mine was. And I am thinking like, oh man, he's three years old. This is not, he's not, this is not going to be useful to him. This is not going to be fun to him. This is not going to be interesting to him. And not, not, not because it's not interesting, just because he, just, he literally does not have the, the information to set this information on, you know? And so I sat there for a moment and I thought, how can I give him the most truth, the most information, the most real data about how the moon works in a way that he's going to be able to grasp, that he's going to be able to understand, and will also set him up to understand more about it in the future when he can handle the rest of it. And I believe that that's how God teaches us. He... The answers to the questions that we have, we have to, and this is one of the places of our faith that we need to apply our faith, is trusting that he wants to tell us everything. He wants to give us all of the information. He wants to explain everything to us completely. However, he is a good father, and he's not going to just rattle off a bunch of stuff that's not going to mean anything to us because we can't understand it yet. He's going to lead us to understanding. He's going to give us the most clear and correct and true answer that he possibly can, that we can understand, that we can handle, that we can make sense of, and will set us up to understand more in the future. And if we can have that kind of trust, if we can have that kind of openness to, our relation, to that relationship, it makes room for our questions to actually bring us closer to him instead of being something that, becomes, that, that comes between us and him. Does that make sense? <coughs> and, you know, there's lots, of, and I'm sure we can, it's easy for us to think of the lots of little different things that can come between us being present with God but the truth is that when it comes down to it, the thing that most often keeps us from experiencing the benefit of God's presence is whether or not we choose to be present with him. It's so simple that it's easy not to do. It's simply turning our attention to him, turning our focus towards him, letting him inform our worldview. When I am being present with my kids, I am letting a four-year-old influence my worldview because I am getting to see why that Play-Doh dinosaur that you just made that really just kind of looks like you just squeezed it between your fists and so it kind of looks more like an octopus than a dinosaur, but you're calling it a dinosaur, and so it's a dinosaur. Why that is valuable, why that is meaningful. And I can actually step into the benefit of experiencing the the genuine value he has for this thing that took him eight seconds to make. Or if I'm not present, I can totally and completely miss it and miss an opportunity to connect in a lasting way with my son or my daughter. You know, I, I, if I'm just going, you know, cold-hearted Mr. Spock on this, I... I, get, I really don't get anything from sitting down and being present with my son when he's, you know, stack four blocks, stack four blocks, 
stack four blocks again, stack four blocks again. And that just like copy paste 400 times. Um, I don't practically get in, there's no short term benefit to that whatsoever. However, the, the long term benefit is actually immeasurable. Like, think back for a moment. Maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a teacher, whatever it is. But remember when you were a little kid, you can remember the times that someone was present with you, that someone came to your level, that someone, the difference between an adult patronizing you and, a, the different, and an adult being present with you, stepping down to where you're at, those, mo those memories stick with us. Those, you may not be able to remember every single little detail, but you can feel those moments. You still feel connected to those people because they were present with you, sometimes just for a couple minutes, just sometimes just for a moment. A, we have the ability to create that between us and our spouses, between us and our kids, between us and our friends, but mostly between us and our Father. That's why we don't want to get rid of those five-minute connections, because those are ones that can resonate, that can, that can move us towards everything that he has for us. I heard the Holy Spirit say, this year, it's all about being present. It's all about the presence. Like I said, I feel like there's an unprecedented opportunity to be present with him. He is always present with us. He never leaves. He never goes anywhere. He never is less with us. But sometimes because of what we believe, what we think, or how busy we are, we are sometimes less with him. <laughs> Does that make sense? Last thing I want is for this to be something that's condemning or, or makes you feel guilty. What I want this to do is to realize the opportunity that you have. Realize the wealth that is being poured out on you perpetually, all the time, constantly. I, I've been practicing this. I'm not, I'm not great at it. It's, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to be present. You know, it's like saying, it's like trying to relax. You know, it's like, hey, relax. Yep, right now, relax. Faster, come on, right now, hurry up, relax. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Sorry, some doctor visits are flashing through my head. Um, it's like trying to relax. It's like, it's, how do I make something not happen? That's hard, you know. And being present is kind of like that. You kind of have to learn how to let it happen. You have to learn how to fall into it, which is why it's so important to practice. We're actually going to do a little something here in just a minute to, to practice uh, right now because I, like uh, I like activation. But um, one great little tidbit you can take home if you want, the best time to practice this is actually right before you go to bed. Right before you go to bed. As you're laying down and you know that you're done with whatever thinking you need to do and you know, you're just uh, ready to go to sleep, just practice being present with God, turning your attention, your focus, letting your attention be influenced by what he's doing. That's a great way to start a night and a great way to sleep well, a great way to connect with him all night long. And that's super efficient because you were just sleeping anyway. It's <laughs> the practical side there for you. Um, but I, but I want to do this little exercise here um, just, to, just to practice that even, even further. I, um, 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this this psalm that we just read uh, over you again. I'm gonna read it out of the uh, the Passion Translation this time, just because it's real pretty. And I'm gonna read more of it over you guys. What I want you to do is just to take a few minutes, the last few minutes we have here, just practicing being present with Him, turning your attention towards Him, listening to what He's saying. And sometimes it's hard for us because sometimes what he's saying is not like what I'm saying where I'm just talking at you. Sometimes he's just putting, he's just extending his love towards you. Sometimes he's just holding you. And so when we're used to uh, going a mile a minute, when we're used to you know, information coming at us real quickly, it can be hard to receive the benefit of just being quiet or just being still with someone. However, with practice, it gets easy. So let's just take a moment and practice the presence together. And we're, we're really free around here, so you are welcome if you want to lay down somewhere or find a corner or do something like that, whatever you, whatever you want to do. Um, if you want to wait till someone else does that so you can feel comfortable also doing it, that's fine. <laughs> um, that is a totally fine thing to do. And yeah, Mike, do you want to come up here and play some, play some piano for us real quick? That's normally not how that's enunciated, but that's okay. All right, and so just, just close your eyes and sit back and relax and just rest, focus on his presence. If you, if you, if you fall asleep, that's totally fine. I'm okay with that. I, I, uh, I heard this Bill Johnson quote recently. It's one of my favorite ones that he's done recently um, where he said, uh, he was talking about prayer and talking about how, you know, people would say sometimes like, oh, I always fall asleep when I pray. You know, it's hard, hard to do. And his response to that was, you know, I've never once been upset when my children fell asleep in my arms. <laughs> took, a, took a minute, I know. Um, man, yeah, we, we, <laughs> we have to expand our view of what kind of relationship we have with our Father. It, it's not one where it's like, oh, you didn't pray the whole time. Oh, you, you know, were inattentive the whole time. Like, he, he's excited to be with you. He's not, it's not like that, you know, that, that, it's not like that vacation time where there's like all this pressure to have fun. Like, okay, we gotta have fun. We gotta have all the fun right now. We're wasting time. We're not having fun right now. He's, he, as long as you're there, he's happy. As long as he's the, you're there, he's just glad to be there with you. So wherever you're at, just, you can just lay back and close your eyes, whatever, whatever you need to do. And I'm just going to read this psalm over you and just practice focusing on his presence. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon me, upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? 
If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere, bringing light into my night. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night to you is as bright as day. There's no difference between the two. You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd even seen the light of day. The number of days you had planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you were thinking of me, how precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. When I awake each morning, you're still with me. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious, anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Lord, let us release a grace to be present in your presence. I release a grace to turn our attention towards you, to turn our focus in your direction, to receive the benefit of your everlasting presence with us. Lord, we repent. We, we, we change our minds from the, time, from the times that we have neglected to be present when you are present. We know that you do not condemn us for this, but we lean into the truth that you are excited for every moment that we are present with you. just wash away any lies that have tried to take in root to, to block our ability to be present with you. I really, really, I just, yeah, I loose the roots of the lies that would say that I, it's hard for me to connect with God. I can't connect with God because of this, because of that, because of my relationship with my dad, because of my relationship with my mom, because of my history, because of my experiences, because of that hurt. I wash away those lies in the name of Jesus Christ and release the truth that Jesus Christ has built a bridge between any gap between you and him. 
that the blood of Jesus has paved over any cracks in the road between you and him. And that he desires to be with you more than anything else. If 2018 is all about the presence, then I release a grace to receive the full benefit of what you're releasing this year, Lord. I release a grace to fully and completely upgrade our ability to be present with you, to put our attention in your direction, to put our focus on you, to receive what you're doing, to receive what you're saying, so that we may be transformed more into your likeness, so that we may receive the ability to show you to other people more. We're just going to stay here for just a minute longer. And just practice right now. If your mind slips this way, if it slips that way, don't let that bother you. Don't let that get you stuck. Just zip right back to where he is. Even if it feels like a vague feeling, even if it just feels like you're standing with your arms open and that's, and that's all you got right now. The victory is in trying. The victory is in practicing. The victory is in refreshing that connection. I just release the grace to seek first the kingdom of God and to recognize the truth that if we seek his kingdom first, all these other things will be added to us. I release the truth that's the solution to every political problem in every country is in your presence. That the solution to every social problem in every country, in every city, is in your presence. Release the truth that our destiny, our giftings, our, our purpose is found in your presence. I break the lie that we have to go get this or we have to go get that first. I release the truth that everything we long for is in your presence first and anywhere else second. believe that 2018 is a year of destiny. It's a year of things coming true, but it is so important. It is vital that when you are stepping into your destiny, that you remember that his presence got you there. The Israelites made this mistake over and over and over again. They had so many victories, so many, they were delivered from so many things, but they forgot time and again 
that his presence is what got them there. But we make the same mistake time and again. But I know that we don't have to. That we can remember that his presence is what got us here. And that we can rely on his presence just as much as when we feel that we need it as we do when we feel that we don't. (laughs) That we can recognize that our need for his presence does not change based on any circumstance. (laughs) I believe that 2018 is a year that success will be easy. (laughs) That financial breakthrough will be easy. If you want that financial breakthrough, if you want that success to mean anything in 2019, we need God's presence. I know a lot of successful people who've accomplished a lot. It never satisfies long because no matter what, for your entire life, you have successes behind you, you have victories. And you have successes that you're longing for, that you're going after, that you're chasing. And that never really changes. (laughs) No matter how many victories you have. The only real satisfaction can be found being present with his presence. So I release the grace to rely on that presence, to lean into that presence, and to recognize that every single person in here is fundamentally designed to recognize and to hear the voice of God, to see who he is, to be connected to him, and to grow in intimacy with him every single day. I release that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.